So when Ben first asked us to speak on prayer, I had two thoughts. Uh, One was, yay, and the other one was, oh no. So the yay was because, yes, of course, I'd love to come and talk to you about prayer. Prayer is probably the best thing we do with our day. Um, And the oh no was because literally the day after Ben asked me to, asked us to speak on prayer, I got up and I went, went out for my prayer walk and I found myself feeling really inadequate. And I remember saying to the Lord, Oh, Lord, I wish my prayer life was better. (laughs) Oh, Lord, why can't I? I want to have more to be able to give. And um, I wanted to share that with you because I think that probably all of us feel like that from time to time. And I think it's good to be honest and real about that. And as I was reflecting on that yesterday, I thought, I wonder if, God, you were looking at me like I maybe would have looked at Harriet, sorry, Harriet, when she would have come to me and said, Mom, I don't think I'm clever enough to be in university. (laughs) And I'd try to give her words of encouragement, but I'd be thinking, but, but you're there. And I think, wonder if God was looking at me saying, but, but Caroline, you're here. So if you're someone who has a question mark over your prayer life and you feel discouraged or feel that you don't quite make the grade, would you know what? I think I'm willing to suggest that just because you've got that thought, actually God is saying, well, you're here, you're here. So be encouraged because I think we want to be encouraged today. We want to be inspired today to pray more. Um, Perhaps that's why Jesus taught us in Luke 18 that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. We mustn't allow discouragement to crush us and let's not waste time on useless comparisons either. But instead, let's be inspired. And when we come to God, we need to know that we draw near to him, he draws near to us. It is so true. And that's my testimony, actually. The minute I step up my prayer life, the minute I... Uh, focus on prayer, focus on the Lord a bit more, then I feel that I know more about him, more about his kingdom. I have more joy, I have more peace, I have more love. And this will be the same for all of us when we look to him more and trust him more. Psalm 116 verse 2 says, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Can you imagine when you start to pray, the Lord is leaning down to listen to you. He wants us to come. He's our Father. He loves us. He wants to hear what we have to say. And it's important that we know who he is. In the reading we had in Acts 4, verse 24, um, they prayed out and they started the prayer, Sovereign Lord. In my Bible, in the New King James Version, it has five words that it says, O oh Lord, you are God. And I think there is so much in that statement, O oh Lord, you are God. They started off their prayer knowing who they are praying to. We need to know that God is almighty, yes, but all loving also. He is almighty and all loving. Hebrews 11, um, yeah, 11 verse 6 says, without faith, we, we can't please God. But when we come to God, we need to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we believe that God is, uh, the writer to Hebrews, I don't think he meant just to believe that God exists. You know, the demons believe that. But he was saying, he believed that he is in the same way that Jesus said, I am. If you remember, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. And in the Old Testament, the same form of words, different language, but same form of words. Jehovah uh, said, I am. I am your um, deliverer. I'm your provider. Uh, All these good things. And this is what we need to believe when we believe that God is. Not just that he exists, but he is who he says he is. We're praying to the person who loves us, the God who loves us, who made a way for us to come near to him through the blood of Jesus. And that are believing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek us. And I wanted to say, I don't think God is someone who's um, giving out lollipops or reward stickers or badges. Yeah? His reward is with him. 
the reward that God has is the values that he has for his kingdom. When we come and spend time with God, the reward is the peace and the love and the joy and the hope and the goodness of his kingdom. All of the things, the righteousness in his kingdom, these are the things that we experience. This is the reward we have in his presence. So let us be encouraged to pray more. And the more we come and get to know God, the more time we spend, the, the fuller our understanding and our revelation of him becomes. And so those people, when they started to pray and the room shook, they knew who they were coming to. That's where they started. So to know more about who God is, yes, it's spending time in prayer. I also believe that reading scripture is a really good way of finding out who God is. Uh, I believe it's part of my prayer life. I'll, I'll read the word, starting with that revelation of who I know God to be, reading the scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I get to know more about him. I have more scripture. I'm readier when it's time to actually come and put my prayer into words. I've got more knowledge of who he is. Another way of learning who God is... Um, just really spending time with him. It does take time. I think we need to be remember that the word, the word disciples is about discipline and to set a time each time a day I think is really important to put that time aside to pray. I've been doing it since I was a new Christian. Yes, you miss a day here and there. That's not the point. The point is it's part of our, of our daily life. And so just really moving on to the practicality of prayer. There's all sorts of methods out there. I agree with Charles Finney, the great revivalist from the 19th century, and he believed that this uh, prayer, we actually prayed it just now, that Jesus gave us in Matthew, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, we called it. He would see that as kind of a, a model of how to pray rather than just something to be recited. He, he would see that as something as a template. So these are like little headings that you'd pray under. So when you start with hallowed be your name, we're beginning to declare out how good God is, like the... Um, like the Acts 4 verse, they said, Lord, you are God. They started, they started by knowing who he is. So if we start our prayer focusing on the power that God has to save us, that rock of revelation of who he is, we're not going to be taken up with our worries. We're first of all recognizing that he has the power. And then we can move on. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We can then move on and start to pray about the things that are on our hearts and happening in our world. We can move on into give us this day our daily bread. What are the issues that we're going to be facing today? And then there's an area to do with forgiveness. Actually, in our personal prayer times, this is where God will tackle us on some of the issues that will save us so much trouble. If we will spend some time with God, allowing him to talk to us about the attitude we might have to this person in the office or this situation there and deal with it in our prayer time, we are just so free for the rest of the day and so forth uh, as a set of headings. Now, that's just one model of prayer. There's many of them. I like that one. It's similar to, to in my mind, to Philippians 4, where we're encouraged to make known our requests to God with thanksgiving, so recognizing that we're thanking God first of all, bringing our prayer requests, and then the peace of God fills our hearts and mind. And when we finish our praying, don't take away our faith. Walk away knowing, no matter how, how, whatever you feel about it, walk away knowing I've been, I've prayed, I've spent some time with my father, he's listened to me, he's heard me, he's answering my prayers. Um, I just wanted a little bit of humour, actually. Um, I'm not very good at telling jokes, so I know it's a bit of a curveball, but I was, at this point while I was preparing, I said to God, I said, um, do you know any prayer jokes, Lord? <laughs> and, uh, and I felt God said to me, um, you. And I thought, no, no, that, that, that can't be right, God. And then I felt the Lord say to me, you make me smile. 
So that made me smile, nearly made me cry. And to me, I don't think I need any more inspiration to pray than to know that actually I can make my Father in heaven smile. You can make your Father in heaven smile. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your heart. He wants you to be honest with you, with him. He wants to answer your prayers. He's waiting to hear from you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. So finally, before Phil comes, I just wanted to share something with you from um, Isaiah. I shared this at the prayer night we had recently. Because I believe that actually God's got a challenge for us. In Isaiah 60, um, 62, verses 6 and 7, he says, Jerusalem, I've set watchmen on your, on your walls, O Jerusalem. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. Give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. I believe that God wants to come again in our day, in our generation, in life-changing revival power. I believe he wants to stir up the love and the power and the hearts of the believers of this kingdom, of this nation. <laughs> and I believe he wants to bring hundreds and thousands of people into the kingdom to say yes to Jesus. And I believe he would like us to stand up and be those watchmen on the towers in our personal prayer time and in our corporate prayer time. And I believe that he wants us to, to make a way for the king of glory so that he can come in revival power in this nation. Thank you. I'm going to... I've, I've, I think I'm going to finish there and hand over to Phil because I've got two minutes, but there we go. <laughs> Set my timer going. Oh, we're very good, you know. Start. Yeah, um, got far too much to say, uh, but just trust the Holy Spirit will guide me through. You know, I, I think the main thing and to start with, as Caroline said, we all find prayer difficult. You know, it's the, it's the lowest thing on our priority sometimes because it's the first thing that gets squeezed out. And yet in God's eyes, I think it's the top of his priority. And I just don't think there's any shortcut. And we know this, don't we? We know there's no shortcut. Um, things run on prayer. In our prayer lives, our personal prayer lives, um, if we don't crack it, if we don't get that, then I can tell you uh, not much will happen. And the first time you meet a real difficulty in your life, if you've not learned how to spend those times with God, if you've not learned to seek him, if you've not learned to read the word, if you've not learned the promises of God, first time you come up against something which is tough in your life, you, you're likely to crash. You're likely to crumble. But if you've, if you've got that secret life, and that's what it is, it's a secret life. Nobody knows what I get up to when I pray. Ha ha. Nobody knows my little secret time with God. Well, I can say whatever I like. I can jabber away in any language I want to, um, if you know what I mean. I can just go for it. I can say, I can tell him how I feel. I can say, God, God that's person I know so and so I'm finding that really hard you can be completely honest this is where you grow this is where you grow when you get when you read the word and you say Lord I have no clue what that means can you explain it to me and maybe over a few days something will get through this is where you build your life and I can tell you I was going to speak about corporate prayer but if you if you if you if you haven't kind of I don't want to say cracked but if you haven't started down that road of praying on your own um, then corporate prayer is always going to be a drag. Because when you get, you know, I mean, I've been to loads of, I say corporate prayer, 
groups of people praying, whether it's the church prayer meeting or with some other prayer group or just with twos or threes. Um, and I've been to many over my uh, long Christian career, as it were. And, you know, some of them have been, have been the worst meetings I've ever been to in my life. They're just deadly. And you, some of you will know. And it's like the wind, the cold, icy winds blow through as there's this stony silence and nobody knows what to do. And, you know, and you, and you think, oh, or someone prays a prayer. You've, you've been there. Someone prays a prayer. Um, and then you think, oh, I can't pray my prayer now because that's completely in the opposite. And I'll, or, or you pray, you pray a prayer which you think is the most um, devastating, earth-shattering prayer ever. A prayer ever, and then there's like a silence, and someone prays about something completely different. They're not easy, are they? But the one thing, the one thing, um, in that passage we read um, uh, in Acts, where it says they lifted their voices together and if you look in other translations it says with one accord and I think this is the key with one accord you know we don't want um, prayer meetings which are just like people having an individual prayer time that's not what it's about is it Uh, you can do that at home if you like but something else happens when you pray together there's a different dynamic if you like God speaks in different ways and unity, I think, is key here. Um, Psalm 133, which many of you will know, uh, where it says, how, um, paraphrasing, how great it is when people dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that runs down on, uh, over Aaron and on his beard and flows away, which is a picture of what they did in the Old Testament when they anointed the high priest with the oil. And the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Well, it is to me. I think it is to most people. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And unity comes. When unity comes, the oil of the Holy Spirit can flow. And I I, I have to testify, you know, some of the the most powerful times, the most um, awe-inspiring times I've ever had are when I've been praying in groups with other Christians. And it's almost like I don't want to use, like a telepathy, you know, it's like they prayed, but that was my prayer. There's a unity that's in that room. And, you know, Jesus is quite into unity, isn't he? Because he, <laughs> in, in the end of John, he prays for unity. He says, make them one, make them one, make them one. And I know it seems to me, over the last 2,000 years, the church has been trying to do everything it can not to be one. But that is what Jesus is about. He's about this unity. And unity in prayer is a powerful thing. Unity in prayer is the thing. They, you know, in that Acts passage, they didn't all open their mouths and speak the same thing. I don't know how that worked, because it says they spoke with, like it was one voice. But I'm, I guess it was one person praying, probably. Um, but they were all praying it. They had the same prayer. And when, when we have the same prayer, you know, if we get together, it doesn't have to be, you know, this, the meeting we run on a Wednesday. If you don't regularly pray with somebody, Find somebody to pray with. If husbands and wives, I urge you to pray together. It's awkward sometimes. If you've never prayed, if you've never done this kind of thing, pray together. That's your first group, your group prayer meeting, husband and wife. They're powerful. Caroline and I do pray nearly every day. We have a great time. It's grown over the years. Awkward to start with. And how are you going to get that time? Well, we have to carve out the time. You know, um, we have to somehow. And for us, we look at our priorities because prayer has got to be top. But that, that, that corporate prayer, they, they prayed with one voice. And the power of it was that the room shook. Now, we're not looking for the room to shake necessarily. That'd be quite exciting. But what happened was 
they got filled with the Holy Spirit, didn't they? And they spoke the word with boldness. When there's unity in a prayer group, God can really begin to move because we let him move. When we're not united, even as a church, it limits, it constrains, it grieves, it quenches the Holy Spirit. This is, this is I think we know this, don't we? So unity is something to strive for, if you like. Um, so corporate prayer. You know in the Jerusalem church, I love this one, uh, I love this. You know when they had um, the food bank, as I call it, in the Jerusalem church, they set up this food bank because there's loads of people that had flooded into Jerusalem. You know when the day of Pentecost happened, there was thousands there. Well, what, why was that church so big? One reason is because they came up for the feast. They didn't go home. They stayed. So that's why they had a massive church. And they had people that were needy, and they had to feed them. So they had the food bank, and it wasn't going very well. There was lots of complaint, not much unity. And so the apostles said, well, choose some people to administrate. So they chose people who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to administrate. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, and then they came down and laid hands on them, because they said, but we will devote, this is the apostles, said, you do that, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. We will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So to me, that says that Jerusalem church ran on prayer. Didn't run on the food bank, didn't run on, I don't know, didn't run on the worship, didn't run on the money, didn't run on the administration. It ran on prayer. That's what it ran on. And you know in Acts 2.42, which we read some weeks ago, it says they devoted the believers, they met from house to house and they devoted themselves to a few things, one of which was prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And I'm convinced um, that prayer is the thing. This is what churches run on. If we don't, and I would say, I would be so bold as to say, look, if we don't pray, if we don't pray much, not much is going to happen. That's just the way it seems to be. If we don't pray much, not much is going to happen. And that's, that's a sobering thing because it's like, uh, Lord, I can do, I'll do anything. But don't, don't send me to the prayer meeting. I'll do anything, Lord, but... Don't make me set my alarm clock a bit early. Because it's hard stuff. But I want to say, it's hard, but there is a river. This is what I want to say. There is a river. Um, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. When Jesus stood up um, at that other feast, was it the same feast? can't remember. But he said, come to me, all who uh, labor and heavy labor. And he said, you'll find rest. And he also said, out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. And it says, even in the text, if you didn't understand it, this he said about the Spirit, which had not yet been given. So we, if you're a believer, if you've nailed your colors to the mast, if you've died to your old self, if you're alive now in God, you have the Holy Spirit. And that's a river in you. Um, and this is why we can pray, because we have the Holy Spirit. Now, I, what I would say that... Um, to grow up in God, you need to know how to stir yourself up. This is not something which is common. Uh, but I love this bit in 2 Timothy, where you know where he says, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. Now, we don't know. It sounds like he's actually specifically talking about some ministry gift uh, that Timothy, Timothy received when they laid hands on him probably some kind of gift of leadership doesn't say it's got allusions to military things later on don't know what that means but it was the stir up fan into flame and if you look at what the words mean in the in greek it's like poking a fire stirring up the fire stirring up the fire and i i guess i want to say if you've prayed better than you you do now if you've known better times of prayer 
Is it time to stir up the fire? Is it time to poke the embers of your life? Is it time to say, God, I wanted to pray and I want to pray now. I want to get my prayer life back on track. I want to be someone who um, doesn't, uh, limp, it, my time doesn't shrink down. You know, I'm going to pray for half an hour and then by the end of a few months, you're down to five minutes. You know what it's like? We've been there, haven't we? Um, let's push through. Let's stir up because we've got the Holy Spirit. We've got all the resources of heaven. We've got the resources of the universe, the whole creator of the universe all in us. That's what we've got. That's him. And we can stir ourselves, say, Lord, I'm going to stir myself up. You know, um, sometimes, I don't know why I'm looking at my watch. I've got this here. <gasps> Look at the time. But, you know, <laughs> um, that, this stirring yourself up, this, no, don't go there. What I want to say is, look, if you've been having a hard time, if you know that you want your prayer life to be better, if you know, if you, know you should be at the church primary on the Wednesday, but you just haven't managed it, uh, let's be radical. You know, let's be radical with ourselves. Let's be radical. But if you need someone to pray for you, if you need a breakthrough, if you need to kick that thing off your life, which has been constricting your prayer life, if you feel like, as it says in somewhere in the Old Testament, the heavens are brass and your prayers aren't getting through, come and get prayed for. Let, let's see this thing done. Let's see us stir ourselves up because we need to pray, don't we? We know we need to pray. Um, here's a little thing. Um, Apparently, we are obsessed with revival, Caroline and myself. Ben has told us we're obsessed with revival. I just find it quite exciting. But so you know, in the middle of the 18th, 19th century, there was a revival in America. It started in the US. And there's one guy who'd been given the job of, you, you do a prayer meeting. So he handed out leaflets and he said, come and pray for an hour. Started with just him. And then it was about 10, then a few hundred, then a few thousand. Then basically it swept across the whole nation, 1857, 1858. And you probably, if you know anything about history, what happened shortly after is the American Civil War broke out. Doesn't it seem that when God is on the move, the devil tries to stop it somehow? Well, he didn't, because they, that, that prayer revival, which was a revival, you know, people were getting born again all over the place, happened in the States. got six seconds left to switch that off. Um, and... Um, Here's one result. I find this astounding, and you may not know this, but the end of the, end of the Civil War... Stop. It's nice, isn't it? Um, they reckon, some estimates reckon, that possibly a third of the Confederate Army uh, got born again. Isn't that amazing? On the back of a prayer revival. See what God can do when we pray. Thank you.